Hello and welcome to a brand new episode from Live from the Pool House where we are live from said Pool House. I'm T.L. Foster. Hello. It's been a minute. It's been a while. What's <laughs> going on? Uh, I am joined today, of course, by the talented, the tremendous Sonia Ballas. Yeah, it's dusty in this pool house. Yeah. <laughs> we got to get the pool clean. We got to get it clean. We got to get the house. We have to kick the teenagers out from partying in the pool house. Uh, no, we're back. Um, we're back. Uh, I want to, up front, um, I want to say for people who have been patient with us, we do thank you guys very much for being patient with us. Uh, this isn't me coming in saying we're going to be back forever. We really love doing this show. However, we do have lives. <laughs> so, yeah. so, you know, Sonia has a live. Sonia has been working on a lot of big time projects. I have been working on project stuff. So, you know, we will be trying to do these episodes a little bit more. If you guys have been paying attention to the feed, you've seen that I have dropped some shows in that I've done with friends, Jarrett, uh, friend Emmett. Uh, and like I said, uh, we dropped, I dropped an episode I did with Sonia. I do want to do more stuff where it's just not specifically Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. However, we are never going away from Fresh Prince of Bel-Air until we finish the show. We have to get to New Viv. We can't yes. quit. We got to <laughs> at least get to New Viv. So my promise is we're going to definitely have that. We definitely want to bring back more guests. But again, life has just been busy. So yeah, well, it's hard too, just be to try and get like two people. Well, especially if we have a third person trying right. to get everybody's schedules working and like, th- like it's summer as well. So like people wanting to hang out with friends and stuff. And like, it's just like hard to get like, um, everyone together and i know like oh boohoo boohoo us like getting together to to talk about things but (laughs) it's like i was on vacation now i was working and so just like and sometimes like you don't want to monetize something you enjoy and so like i don't know like uh we were just talking about that before we started recording about like how often people have to content create their own lives and so i never wanted this show to feel like work and I apologize, like if we, if you wanted more out of us and such, but uh, but we really do enjoy doing the show, and yeah. we don't ever want it to become work. Yeah, this isn't us. Also, also this isn't us like chiding because no one's like been very vocal about it, and it's one of the reasons why like I sh- I sh- I shut down the Patreon because it I felt I honestly felt awful to ask people, hey, give us five dollars <laughs> when we're not going in, and it was really shutting down like the people who we're still just giving right um mm-hmm. but like so you said like we we don't do this for money this is like a thing that we do out of love for a thing that we enjoy we enjoy talking about we enjoy discussing and like having the conversations that we've had so mm-hmm. um again this is us saying thank you for being patient with us yeah. um we will be getting you episodes as they come out um, if you see a dip in, if you see a dip in episodes, that's fine. It's just, yeah, <laughs> it's how life happens. I will say, uh, uh, the middle of August after these goes up, yeah, there's going to be another break. Cause I'm going <laughs> on vacation. I'm going up to the Washington DC area. So, Hey, if you're in the DC area, uh, hit me up. Let me know. We'll grab lunch. I'm, I'm there for a whole week, but, um, <laughs> yeah. So Sonia, what two episodes? That's right. We came back. We're doing two yeah, just so because you, everybody's waiting. Yeah, exactly. We're doing two episodes. So, Sonia, what is the first episode that we are talking about today? So, the first episode we're watching is season two, episode nineteen, "Eyes on the Prize." And secondly, we're gonna watch episode twenty. Those were the days. Uh, they first aired February seventeenth, nineteen ninety-two, and February twenty-fourth, nineteen ninety-two, respectively. Uh, "Eyes on the Prize" was directed by Ellen Falcon and was written by Brian Winter who also wrote the second episode of the season. Uh, Those Were the Days was directed by Rita Rogers-Bly. This is the last episode she directed for the show and was written by Sam Art Williams, who, like, whenever I see his his name in the credits, I know it's going to be one of my favorite episodes. Right. (laughs) And I think we're probably going to talk about Those Were the Days the most, most likely. Yeah. So that's why, I guess that's why we combined the episodes. Yeah, <laughs> so Eyes on the Prize. I like Eyes on the Prize. I think it's a very cute episode, but it mm-hmm. is. It doesn't have as much like meat on the bones, uh, yes. you know, as something like um, uh, those were the days. I think those are the days are probably going to be 
a lot more like philosophical conversations that yeah exactly that we are want to have Mm. like because that's what we enjoy doing the show because we get to talk about like the context and how important these types of types of discussions still are in 2022 which is sad because like a show that like filmed in what 1991 is still relevant today right 30 years yeah. 30 years later, yeah. It's kind of sad. But anyway, um, I do love the running gag of Uncle Phil being terrible at home repairs that starts with this episode, especially the bit about how it always ends with an injury to Jeffrey. Um, I Like, it made me wonder, like, cause we've learned that Uncle Phil grew up on a farm, so I don't understand how he can be this terrible at home repairs. Well, what if he's just bad? Like, I mean, farm work is different than home repair, right? Like, I <laughs> can go outside and and do lawn work, but I don't know jack shit about pump plumbing. <laughs> so well, like, pump, yeah, plumbing yeah. is hard. Yeah, and yeah. it's just like something that is, like, I don't know. Like, and I think he, um, I think this is more related to those are the days too. But I think this is him trying to regain a little bit more of his past yeah yeah like just trying to be like well we don't need to pay for the plumber we don't need to pay for somebody to come in and fix the phone that's such a it's such a i guess it's such a weird male thing Mm -hmm. that but i think it's also kind of gone away like as like appliances and stuff like that have gotten so technical like yeah you actually do need to get a plumber Mm because it's like it's less of like go screw on the thing right like if a computer thing breaks for me like i could probably figure it out uh just because like how we've how long we've been there right but like (laughs) uh like if 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 my if my ac breaks like i'm calling the ac guy i don't know yeah i don't know what the fuck (laughs) what like my ac my ac break muzzle just murder me like i just (laughs) just throw me throw me into a shallow grave i am done (laughs) especially in florida yes uh but for those that don't know uh, the lack of a landline phone for 24 hours in 1992 is what going without the internet for the same amount of time is like in 2022 (laughs) so but the the family is not completely cut off since they all seem to have car phones uh but i really love the will's delivery about the jj walker joke like just him like saying jj walker's phone shut off for 24 hours you know the rest right (laughs) i just love that (laughs) But I also got to mention this to you. Uh, the mention of Alberto V05, that sent me back. Like, I never used it uh, uh, because, like, it wasn't for my hair. But I, I, but the commercials always made me want to try it. Like, it was that hair oil stuff. Like, yeah. I remember, like, the hot oil stuff. I always wanted so to try it. So I've never heard of Alberto V05 <laughs> before. Like, the only hair stuff I used was, like, back when I have hair. Obviously, I'm not really <laughs> falkly challenged now. Uh <laughs> But the hair stuff I used was the pink lotion. Mm-hmm. But I've never heard of Alberto V O five. It used to be a big thing in the nineties. Like, um, like it was. I think it was at odds with like uh, Vidal Sassoon, which was like a really uh, like yeah, uh, yeah. there's a Dr. Dre song where he shouts out to Sassoon and everything. So like Alberto V O five was like a hair oil that like everybody wore before they realized mm. that putting oil in your hair was kind of bad unless you really needed it. So. Right, <laughs> unless you had like a dry scalp. Like that's a good way. Like dandruff. Like I don't know if dandruff is still. A problem with people again i don't have hair i don't <laughs> i don't know <laughs> these things. uh but like i do remember growing up like especially like the grease dandruff like i mm-hmm. used to do um i would do like i would try to get waves never got them by the way very my <laughs> i have very thick hair like when i had hair it was very thick hair didn't wave really well so like i would used to do like the pomade where you go you heat up the pomade let it like loosen up you'll put it in your hair you put the wave cap but i would always put too much pomade so like i would get like the like my scalp would just like cake up with like dandruff because like i was just doing it bad <laughs> to the point where my dad every time my dad was just like we're just cutting your hair we're just gonna cut your hair uh which is frustrating because i wanted i wanted to have like uh the the twist dreads and i never did i never got a chance to do that 
Aw, I'm sad for little TL. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, so Hillary cracks a joke about Jimmy Swaggart, and I had to look him up. So he was a televangelist popular in the 80s and a disgusting cheap pervert. So sex worker uh, Deborah Murphy told Penthouse Magazine that he would often not want to pay her rate of 30 to 40 bucks for oral sex, saying here, here he is up there preaching for all this money, and when I see him, he's cheap. He also requested that her nine-year-old daughter watch sex acts, to which she told him, don't ever mention my daughter again. In response to the scandal, Swagger told his ministries, the Lord told me it's flat out none of your business. So I guess we'll all see him in hell. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, like, because I, I don't, I can't stand um, ev- televangelists specifically. So. Yeah. And yeah, no, like it's being that cheap. Yeah. Yeah. Terrible. Yeah. I mean, it, it, there's, uh, I mean, I do think like we we do a disservice like when we cry, kind of like uh, super like like uh, demonize sex work like sex work mm-hmm. is whatever right like like realistically it's still a job. Yeah, um, if you pay for OnlyFans, that's sex work. Yeah. So it's like it's I hate when people demonize it. Like yeah. it's something like it, there wouldn't be sex work if there wasn't the demand for it. Right, and, and like so yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's just i don't know it's very weird um but yeah fucking pay sex workers and also don't bring up their fucking kids kids like, yeah. what a gross thing to do when i read that i was like good god this guy's terrible and like the fact that he didn't pay her up front what an asshole like he is a terrible person like uh because you pay them up front like, I don't know. Like, this is not like the Wendy's. Like, you pay them before you get anything. So, I don't know. I just cannot stand uh, rich white guys trying to do one over on somebody who obviously needs the money. Right. And it's like, oh, just terrible. But anyway, uh, so this episode has two mentions of Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles. So, I fell into a Wikipedia hole about soul food and found a connection between antebellum era African Americans and indigenous people in the southern U.S. Really? Yeah. So, according to the wiki, enslaved people were typically given a peck of cornmeal and three to four pounds of pork per week. And from these rations came soul food staples such as cornbread, fried catfish, barbecued ribs, chitterlings and no, neck bones. No, yeah, chitterlings is that no, how you say it? How do you no, say it? It's chitlins. That's chitlins. chitlins. That's okay, how you chitlins. that's how you say chitlins. That's how you spell chitlins. chitlins. Yeah. Okay. It has been noted that enslaved Africans were the primary consumers of cooked greens, collard, beets, dandelions and kale, and sweet potatoes for a portion of US history. So according to Charles Hudson, writer of the Southeastern Indians, To a far greater degree than anyone realizes, several of the most important food dishes that the Native Americans of the Southeast USA live on today is the sole food eaten by both Black and white Southerners. Uh, I'm going to say this wrong. Hominy? Hominy. That's grits. Hominy. Okay. For example, still eaten softkey. Lives on his grits. Is what it says. Cornbread is used by Southern cooks. Indian fritters. Variously known as hoe cake or Johnny cake. I wanted to ask you, what is Johnny cake? Uh, Johnny cakes. I ne- look. I'm country. That's some country. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not really. Sure. Let me see what a Johnny cake is. I'm going okay. to look it up real quick. Go ahead. In- continue. Okay, Indian boiled cornbread is present in southern cuisine as cornmeal dumplings and hush puppies. Yeah. Southerners cook their beans and field peas by boiling them, as did native tribes. And like the Native Americans, Southerners cured their meats and smoked it over hickory coals. Yeah. So when game or limestock was killed, the entire animal was used. Aside from the meat, it was common for them to eat organ meats such as brains, livers, and intestines. The tradition remains today in Hallmark dis- dishes like chitlins, yeah, which yeah. are small intestines of hogs, liver mush, a common dish in the Carolinas made from the hog liver, and pork brains and eggs. The fat of the animals, particularly hogs, was hogs was rendered and used for cooking and frying. Many of the early European settlers in the South learned Native American cooking methods, and so cultural diffusion was set in motion for the Southern dish. So I really love, personally love learning about how much Indigenous culture influenced African American culture and vice versa. So, like, it was really cool that it had to do with food and also, like, probably dealing with, like, uh, colonization and how people were only given certain amounts of food. Mm. So it's, like, it's really cool that this thing that started because they had nothing else became such a big thing in the community that meant, like, 
family and community basically. So I love so, that. Yeah, so a Johnny Cake, I know exactly what Johnny Cake is. It's like a it's like a it's like a very sweet cornbread. Mm-hmm. Um like a a cornbread cake. Honestly, it's really good. So I know exactly <laughs> what it's like yeah, you like you're reading me all this stuff like yeah, a lot of the cuisine that I grew up loving is like has its root in native culture, which of course, like it, it, it just makes sense. Like, well, kind do you guys of... call it? Oh, sorry, sorry, do you guys call it lard too? Like for when you use like um, hog fat for cooking? Uh, uh, it is usually called lard, or like I said, they'll use like Crisco, but like we use like we do like a hot hog maw. Uh, mm-hmm. we'll use like a lot of pork back. A lot of the cooking that we do, um has like the uh the pork back or ham hocks like a lot of a lot of beans that i make like i have like it is again boiled like like they said uh with like uh with like a um with like a ham hock in there to get the smoked taste of the meat within there or also like in the greens like the greens that i make you know it's water oil like some spices but then you put the you put the uh what's called you put the the ham hock in there. And if you're going to do it, why people who are listening to this thing, you're like, I'm going to make soul food. Don't use the cut up ham hock. You have to have <laughs> yeah. the bone. Yeah. Smoked ham hock with the bone is how it's made correctly. That's how you get the flavor in there. It's all about flavor and seasoning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's, it's kind of sad though. Cause like food like this uh, designed during times when people didn't have a lot of food, Mm-hmm. Is why like a lot of health problems are so common in the indigenous and black communities. Like, because this food was designed to keep you going, like right. when you had nothing else. And so, like, soul food is good every once in a while, but don't eat it as much as like we probably would have like two hundred years ago. Yeah, <laughs> so, like, like I love chitlins, but mm-hmm. you don't have to eat chitlins every day. Yeah, or like using lard and everything. Like my yeah. grandma used to make lard. Uh, used to make eggs and lard, and yeah, that that is not a good way to live, yeah. even though it's really really good. But <laughs> but um, so I remember Antista saying that Jazz was one of the worst actors on the show, but I think he finds his footing in this episode. Like I think he is. He finds out who the character is, yeah, and runs with it. I think that's like one. I think this is a good Jazz episode. But uh, the only problem I have with this episode is they don't let jokes sit. Specifically, Ty's joke about Color Me Bad being white. And I think that's just my uh, Ty's actor being a little bit less trained. But yeah. I don't know. Like, that was the only one that fell flat for me. But I do love when Jazz uh, calls Uncle Phil my tubby judicial brother. Like, just the way he, like, moves his body and peeks around the corner because, you know, Uncle Phil is still fixing the sink. Like, I don't know. It just, like, this episode is totally a jazz episode. And I love it for it. Yeah, I also think it's very like jazz. Like you said, jazz knows who his character is because like he's having that argument with Ty, and he's just like, "Well, I can leave." I like, "Oh, you leave? You walk out the house? <laughs> I get chauffeur." Hey, yeah. go, and he gets thrown out of the house. Like I think that's such a good comedic timing on. Yeah, I just love that. Also, I really wanted to shout out to Will's awesome Magic Johnson t-shirt. Like, that shirt he was wearing when he was talking to Ty and um, and Jazz. That was such a beautiful shirt. I would yeah. wear it now. But yeah, like, it's something... Um, so one one of the things I love about this episode specifically is the bios for everyone on the game show, uh, especially Carlton being a fan of Capital Punishment, and Dr. Jazzy Jeff, MD... PhD and OPP finding time away from performing brain surgeries to date Whitney Houston. I'm like, <laughs> like, don't they check these like bios out? But I guess like no. <laughs> no, I mean like especially like then like you just say whatever, right? Like you're just on the show. Like the 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 great thing about a about a game show is like you kind of just are cattle. Like you're you're mm-hmm. in and you're out like of the show. They probably filmed like seven or eight episodes that day. Yeah. But so. I, yeah, like this episode's pretty, like, as we said at the beginning, pretty, like, low-key, pretty short. Like, it's kind of like a candy episode. So it's, like, very, like, it's a it's a filler episode, basically. Like, right. And so, but I love 
the fight in the soundproof booth, uh, especially for Will Macho Man elbow dropping jazz like three yeah. times. <laughs> so. It's such a good like I I love a good like slapstick comedy bit, mm-hmm. and it's such like good slapstick comedy bits. Uh, it's just like them doing the whole thing, and then uh, jazz like breaking and crying, and Will yeah. like. <laughs> Oh, I need to come over there to see what's, like, what's going on. Like, <laughs> well, and I think really I love good. the affection between them was so cute. Like, especially when Ty joined them and they're just all fight. And they're all just like hugging in the soundproof booth. And yeah. it was just adorable because I, I have been talking about this in terms of um, like uh, the show Our Flag Means Death. I feel mm. like there's a lot of black people, indigenous, well, black men, indigenous men are often portrayed very hard. And yeah, it's, like whenever they're not portrayed as like thugs or whatever, like whenever these there's scenes like this where they're hugging after getting into a big fight is such a really cute thing, and I just love that. Yeah, no, it's I I think there is like there is a there is a stigma with black men where we have to be so like so machismo, and I think it's a it's a I think it's a a person of color issue not just yeah. with black men i think it, it does and it does like also like include indigenous and especially hispanic like there's a there's a there's a need to like kind of overcorrect the normal like the normal subjugation you feel as a as a male that's a person of color and mm-hmm. then like you're like okay well i'll overcorrect by being extremely like you know, misogynistic or not even misogynistic, but coded as a as a man. So I can't show like any hardcore, right? Yeah. I can't show any vulnerabilities because as soon as you show any kind of weakness, that's where it goes through. And like one of the things that I I, I got from my dad growing up because um, my dad's a very emotional person, mm-hmm. and uh, he had told somebody like he was uh, when my grandmother had passed when I was in uh, high school. Um, you know, he's crying at the funeral. And like somebody, or like somebody had said something about like, oh well, men don't cry. I think it was like one of my cousins. He's and like, that's like, well, I'm a grown ass man and I'm crying. Like you have to be emotional. Like your emotions are a thing you can't run away from, right? And I think like there should be more shows where it shows men, especially like, like especially BIPOC, but people of color, um, being more vulnerable, going to therapy, being willing to talk and everything. Like it's reason why I wish I liked Atlanta more. <laughs> um, Cause like there's things that, that Donald says that I agree with, but I'm just not the biggest Donald fan. Um, yeah. You know, but I, I still understand where that comes from. And I understand the, the necessity and the need to have those conversations. So. Yeah. It's just like, you have to be like, because it is still difficult to be a person of color, a black person, an indigenous person, you have to put up some sort of mask to deal with it a lot of the time. And to be soft is to be vulnerable. Right. And I think that's the scariest thing for us as people of color, because when you're vulnerable, you're in danger. And like to see somebody like Will and Ty and Jazz having this cute little moment after they fight where they're hugging is adorable because it's like it just shows them that they value their friendship. And in Our Flag Means Death, where an, where this hardcore indigenous guy who's a pirate falls in love in such a soft way, like spoilers for that show, but like it's obviously yeah. about gay men in that show. But it's just like it's so like I didn't realize how much I needed it until I see it. And it's like, that's good to have because, like, there's so much, um, there's so, like, even now, like, uh, I remember, I don't know if it was Dre or Snoop Dogg, but people talking about how much they enjoy cultivating interests that would make them seem soft. And it's like, right. no, that's good for your soul. Like, it's good for your spirit. But I guess it's hard. It's something we really need to talk to in the in the BIPOC community about, like, how we allow boys to be... Um, how we allow boys to show their emotions, right? Because it's not healthy. Like the, if you, if the only person you open up to is your wife or your girlfriend, that's not healthy. No, it's not healthy across the board. I also think it's. I also think is why we as a community have such a a large rampant homophobia, transphobia issue. In, yeah. In the BIPOC community, because of that, 
initial fear of like being less than right it's the it's the being less than so then when you see someone in who is like when you see somebody who is gay or trans like especially like black men have such a are so easy to be like well you shouldn't do blah and it is coming from that irrational fear of as men we have to show x y and z without realizing like you know hey gender is fucking bullshit and everything's in the spectrum like literally how life is in the spectrum and even if you look at like hard sex like intersex people like so you get like there is such thing as like this this binary but yeah we've we've been molded such a way like this is kind of like and this is like kind of you bleeding into the next episode but kind of like we're the hardwire of like white supremacy and like or the, the patriarchy the yeah. patriarchy especially like specifically white patriarchy where that has done that because like as men as black men like the first thing that we're going to try to do is we need to show our person the power where we're not where we're not white men we are still men right it's the same mm-hmm. kind of intersexuality that white women should realize like like well, yeah while you're not men you're white like there's a there's a standard that you have to be like we are cultivating around these standards like how do we how do we adjust past this how do we move past this and it, mm-hmm. like that's where it is coming to talk to people. Um, I I very I get very very hesitant of being like, you should just listen to or listen to black women or or you know indigenous women or BIPOC women because like then what we have done then is we've now asked women to now take on not only the burdens and the tribulations that they have to go through, but then also can you take on our trauma and our yeah. thing like and like at some point like well damn can can bipoc women just like exist without having to worry <laughs> about shit right well that always drives me nuts too because like i remember people making a big deal when serena williams married a white guy mm-hmm. and it's like well and i remember people were ma- like black men specifically were making a big deal about how much of a how non-feminine she was yeah and like and then all of a sudden these same guys are getting offended that she's marrying a white guy and I'm like, I don't know. I think there's like uh, one of the big things that white supremacy does is it puts women and men in the communities at odds with each other because men want to date white women because that then that makes them adjacent to power right. while they're belittling their the women in their own community because they see them as less than. Like and it's just a it's just a sad situation because like I don't know how much you know about the recent trip of the Pope to Canada to yeah 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 and so, yeah and so what happened was a group of Indigenous men presented um, the Pope with uh, a war a war bonnet like a, a headdress yeah. and people were pissed and like me specifically as well because. I don't have a spirit name. Like I haven't been gifted one by my community. I've never been able to take part in specific ceremonies regarding my background because like I haven't had access to them. But oh yeah, give this white old man a symbol of our culture that he's going to like put aside and not really wear again ever. Like it doesn't mean anything to him. And so I remember we were all cracking jokes about this is why our communities were run by women back in the day before because like it's like a woman wouldn't do this because that symbol means a lot to people and like the fact that he is just going to disregard it is like something that I cannot abide and it's something that I feel a lot of men in my community are trying to be like they're trying to be adjacent to white men power Mm. and as such they're like leaving our communities behind because they get all the all the benefits of being adjacent to that power and none of the the negatives yeah no it's very like i i think also so like my tiktok is so bugged like it's like this one group That I I send Sonia all the time. I want to work yes, with those guys. Yeah. I want to work with them so bad. They're so funny and so good. Like I I am inspired by them. But then I also like I just randomly I don't know how I ended up on native TikTok. Oh yeah. no, I, I I think I do because like I I followed uh Witchy Twitchy and like some other native creators, right? Yes. Um, and she does really good work. Um, but then like. All of a sudden, like I kept on getting this spam about <laughs> um, this dude, modern modern warrior. Yes, I know. I uh, <laughs> yeah yeah. <laughs> and so like, like I don't know a hundred percent what happened, but apparently he said that like um, 
uh, white passing native people aren't real native what, people. Yeah, his um, <laughs> he was on a he was on a I think I don't know if it was a live or no, it was a video uh, with him and his girlfriend who is who is black who's a light skinned black person. I, I'm saying this not not denigrating her being black, but the fact that like like there's already colorism that's kind of going into yeah. it and uh they have this thing where they say well if you're native and you're white passing you're not native you're white which is like well that's fucked up yeah. <laughs> like you can't you can't do that and like but also i'm not native right so i can't like i i hear that and i'm just like that sucks but again like that's a it's a thing it would be it's the same issue like i have where black people are like well, if you're mixed, you're not really black. It's like, no, you are, because guess what? When people look at you, they don't think, oh, you're you're not black. Or when you're in those spaces, if they don't think you're black, they think they could say whatever they want to say because yeah. you are black and because you aren't quote unquote black. And that's where it gets even worse. Well, and like the colorism thing too is such a big thing because it's like, um, like it has to do with like actresses right now where there's like a this big thing where uh certain actresses who have darker skin will not be hired because like of white supremacy right and so it's something that comes up a lot in the communities like you probably went through this too when you were young where we had older families saying don't go outside so much you'll get dark yeah like it's something yeah like I, and i hate the idea of this person policing what makes native people because like i'm a pretty pale person but like the like if someone were to tell me i wasn't native because of the color of my skin i'd be like well fuck you i grew up on a res like right. i have yeah i have <laughs> right. fought like uh, it's something that i really connected to with the episode we're about to talk about like where it's just like uh well this is a good discussion to go into the next episode yeah. because it's it's about like what makes somebody truly a part of the struggle right like, like what do you have like what is truly bringing your your people forward right and like it, it's been a really good discussion in this in this episode specifically like because i think like um those were the days is my favorite episode of the series yeah it is like i will probably say this about another episode but right now this is my favorite episode of the series just because it if somebody wanted to watch an episode of fresh prince to know what it was about I probably would show them this. Yeah. I think when we talk about like, why is this show important? I think this is, I think it's this episode. And then the episode when Carlton is trying to join the black frat. Yeah. I think those are the two more important episodes because it is the conversation that we need to have about race and everything. And I think it's like stuff like this episode and that episode that I think something like Bel Air just never hit hit with hit me with like mm -hmm. hit hit for me with because where I think Bel Air was definitely trying to have those conversations it was in such a broader way and it was like it didn't it didn't land itself correctly as opposed to like this episode where it is a very poignant thing and because you're not doing a broader scripted like serial drama essentially it doesn't feel like out of place right yeah well, and, and i oh go ahead yeah i was gonna say like i think because the show is coded in the the structure of a sitcom because like a sitcom like essentially when you're writing a sitcom you're essentially writing regular life raised up to 10 yeah but that's the reason why like sitcoms can do drama really well because in you your real life, yeah. right? In your real life, you're just having regular days, and then something serious happens. And like in a sitcom, that drama comes up, and you don't have to put. You can just put it up the five, and it will be just as impactful because you understand it's a lived-in experience, and you can you can resonate with that as opposed to a drama show because it has to be so ridiculous to keep you watching. It's always at ten, and you can lose that fidelity of. Okay, well, this is obviously like X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. And I think this episode is very poignant now, just because there is always this discussion in um, in BIPOC communities about like, well, what, like when you say any means necessary, what does that mean? Right. Because like it's something that comes up in this episode specifically, where um, where Will like is told that, and he's like, and he asks like he asked Marge, like the character in the story, like you said by any means necessary. And then she clarifies, yes, but that includes going through the system. 
Right. And I think that's something cool because I really like that she she learns to this episode. We see her realize that what she's doing is putting her at odds with the people she loves. Yeah. Like uh, believing that will believing that Phil is like a tool of the capitalism now and all this other stuff. And I'm like, no, like Phil is doing good things. Like he is one of like the he is one of the people who are in positions of power that are really truly doing better things for people in the community. Right. And it's something like I really love this episode. Like it's just like such a good episode to watch in terms of like uh uh James Avery's acting, the woman who plays Marge. Like it's just a good episode about like a really good story. And I, I just love this episode. Yeah. I I do think like um so obviously the episode is um those were uh, the days yeah, yeah those are the days um Will uh Will uh Phil and um Viv's uh friend Marge comes to visit them uh and throughout the whole thing she is being she is wanted um, by the FBI not by the, the cops. FBI yes uh for uh causing issues uh during. Apartheid South Africa. So I had to look up when this was. Yes, I did too. Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> this would have been towards the very end of apartheid, but apartheid South Africa had been a problem for a while. Um, yeah. And very famously, so in a, a couple of uh, a friend group that I'm in uh, with my buddy with with our with our friend Anthony Abbott, um, uh, we've been watching a lot of like really uh, uh, cheesy ish movies from the 80s. <laughs> uh and we started we started watching um uh we started watching American Ninja. Mm-hmm. And American Ninja 2 is shot in South Africa so uh, as well as American Ninja 3. But the actor Michael Dudikoff leaves after 2 because of apartheid South Africa. So like I thought that was very interesting. But yeah, so it's very cool to kind of to see like like we're in the throes of this apartheid state kind of being done away with. Right. And yeah. like, I always wonder, it's like, what, what would we do when we, like, if we had something like that, like recently. Right. And like, we kind of do in like, not to get into it, not to make it a whole thing, but like when we look at stuff like that's happening in, you know, Israel yeah, uh, on the Gaza Strip, like, and when you see stuff like that, it's like, well, how much can you, Asher convictions and stuff like that. And like Marge is kind of like that, the radical end, right? Like Marge is what someone would call like a radical leftist nowadays, yeah. right? But like, I do think there is a need for sometimes a mobilizing force of justice as well as commodified in routes in the structures that you're in. Because yeah. I don't think, I don't think you can move forward without the other. Like, I don't think. Black Lives Matter matters isn't a thing if it isn't without the people who protested and who got slandered and who got called. Well, they're the real racist and all that yeah. other stuff because those are necessary tools. But also, I do think we have to have structures where we are voting things in, where it doesn't feel like we are taking because – Here's the thing: why people don't like it when you take stuff. So, like sometimes yeah. it does. You do have to coax them into thinking, "Oh yeah, I had that idea as well." Well, and it's something that is really poignant in this episode because, like, I couldn't find specifically what event Marge was referring to regarding causing trouble for a South African embassy, but I imagine it involved like either arson or like bombing to have the FBI after her like this. Like it, it was really like something extreme, like, cause she's like right. basically a fugitive. And so, well, she is a fugitive. And right. so while doing research for this episode, apartheid didn't end for another two years. So like, really? of course, yeah. So of course she's protesting it because it ended in 1994, apparently. Like, mm. a, hold on, I'll make sure of that. But anyway, uh, but it's something that uh, I think we, you and I were probably too young to realize the full extent of how bad it was. Yeah. Yeah, because I was reading up about it and I'm like, shit, this was terrible. Like, like just imagining like, and I, I was speaking to a friend when I was in Germany who had recently been to South Africa and it's still pretty pretty bad like pretty yeah. racially segregated and that sort of thing and it's just sad that like this is like what 30 40 years ago and it's still something that is relevant today in south africa 
And it's just like, wow. Like, I, I don't know. Like, it's just something talking about apartheid is something I still talk about because like the, re- the reserve system in Canada is apartheid. It, like mm. the reserve system in the U S is apartheid. Like ghettos in the U S are apartheid. Like, cause you're, yeah. you're and it's, it's, it's stuff that's still happening, but people don't see it because it's just the normal run of things. Right. And I, I, I think like, this is where like, it gets weird, especially in leftist spaces, because yeah. the conversation is always, well, we have to be post-racial because it's, it's not really about race. It's about class. And yes, there is a element to that. Right. I, I do think like, cause race itself is a, it's a conceited bullshit. Like thing that we've come up with however it doesn't it doesn't wash away the fact that we've had years of racial in inequity and inequalities throughout the systems that we are in right mm-hmm. so like when you think of something like apartheid like when you think about the united states or just north america like even if we were to take away the black element of it right which mm-hmm. you can't because like we you, you go through but think about like the just the massive debt and issues that we've had just with the expansion that we have in these countries and what it's done to our indigenous population yeah you know uh and not just oh i said not just america but when you go to mexico and south america and stuff like like we have we have in, inherently damaged these areas so yeah of course people that are related to those areas are going to you know are going to feel like we have to fight back or we have to be able to get equal footing and like i said like sometimes you just have to make white people think that they came up with it because if not they're going to push back as much as possible well, like, and every time you open the door, there's always people that are going to try to close it again. Like, that's right. what we're seeing that happening right now with, like, trans rights and LGBT rights, like, how they want to get rid of, like, uh, same-sex marriage and all this other stuff. Because the the, the further you move uh, as a society, the more people want to push back because they're give, they're losing their power to determine this sort of thing. And it's a sad situation, but it's like... like you constantly have to keep fighting for things for especially as a person of color especially as a lgbt person of like specifically if you're an lgbt person of color like it is like it's so exhausting to constantly be ensuring that people recognize your humanity right because like i I remember this episode where like this episode specifically where marge says uh, where she's trying to tell will that she he can't come with her because like her her life is hard like her life is difficult and like she knows that but he tells her like there weren't a lot of doors open for me so of course we had to blow them down like we had to we had to knock them open so that they could be uh open for kids like you but it's still something like even the kids now will will's age in this episode have to burn have to keep those doors open for more people to come through right and it's like it's kind of exhausting but it's like you do it because the community is something you love. Right. Like you don't want to have, like, I, like we, you and I have nieces and nephews now. And the idea of them having to face what we did is why I keep going because like, I don't want my nephew to have to face the racism, like whatever mm. that I had to face. And I know you don't want your niece to face the same things that you had to. And it's just so this episode makes me feel so good because it could have easily have been about like radicalism is the only way. Right. But it's, but it's like, no radicalism is important. But as, uh, but as um, Vivian says, she was only talking about the romantic part of the struggle. Right. I I think that's the thing. Like, I I really hope like a lot of people who are, who have like radical ideas. I, I really hope that they listen to this episode because again, the, the the thing about like true activism, true like uh, uh, pushing for these systems is realizing like it is not going to be easy. It is being okay with being arrested. It is okay with being attacked and being physically harmed because like those are the things that we grew up on. Like my 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 family in Alabama, like were people who took in part of the uh, marches on Selma. Uh, very like my my aunt who I went to go visit last week. She literally was in the senior class for the first uh, 
first year of integration in the school that you know that um that she graduated from like that's not and like, they aren't I'm, young yeah, yeah. like we're young people like your your family's what in their 60s now it's yeah. like that wasn't too long ago it's not too long ago um so like i'm not like when we talk about like jim crow era stuff and all this other stuff we're not talking about we're not even talking about like two generations ago i'm talking about one I'm literally yeah. talking about my aunt, you know, like, <laughs> so like, and I, and I think that we have to start realizing that if like, I do believe that there are, there is room for, for, for like, I don't want to say violent protest because I don't think there's a way for like, as a, as a pacifist, I don't believe in a, don't believe there's a way for violent protest, right? Like specifically violent <laughs> protest, but I also don't consider property damage violence right i I consider that like that's just the means of having property like um but these things are but they they have to be in concert with people willing to go into the local level and getting the power because the thing that people don't talk about is the more you do that the more you you take power without having those people in the positions to help take power in a logical like a logistical way Mm-hmm. the easier it is for the people who don't want to give you power to run and say, do you see what they are doing? Yeah. Deem- like, cause it's something that comes up in the native activism community. Cause no matter what you do, you're going to be demonized by white people. Yeah. Like you could be the, you could do what Vivian was doing, handing out leaflets, um, doing petitions and, or you could be Marge where you're blowing up embassies in New York or whatever and pe- some people will see that as the same thing right and yeah like i think this episode really is powerful in that it doesn't take a side because it says both are essential for what needs to be done for our communities to move forward and like yeah like i am a pacifist as well i don't believe in violence but something like i do believe in what they said about like by any means necessary and like when the line that marge has about like when the courts don't work come and find me I really thought yeah. that was a very like powerful line where she's like, I trust you to do things through the proper channels. Right. But when, but I know enough about life that sometimes that doesn't work. So when, when you need it, come and find me. Yeah. And I love that. Like, it's just an amazing thing. And I, I love specifically cause like, through slavery and everything people did lose a lot of connections to their ancestral homelands so i i didn't realize how much that meant like with uh phil and um and vivian having african names Mm. like so phil's name olafami means god loves me in nigerian and vivian's name vivian's name at a symbol means of righteous birth in your uba i think that's how you say it excuse me if i pronounced it wrong so i i love that these people like these young people uh when phil and vivian probably got these names were like taking back their own identity as black people right and i I really like that i really like that implication so it was really cool of that and i also think the best joke of the series is when um will calls uh ashley who's wearing a daishiki um winnie the pooh mandela (laughs) (laughs) so i think that's the best joke in the series also Another great episode for Cornflake. Cornflake, yes. y'all, like we talk about an ally. We talk about Cornflake <laughs> being an ally. Yeah, it's like if you're not ready to be our Cornflake, get the hell out of here. Yeah, I don't, I don't want it. If you're not Cornflake, I don't want it. You can you can keep that. You keep that performative. Like Cornflake is 100 ally. Love you. Yeah, like he he was there, like boarding up the door and like handcuffing himself to Will. Like he was there and ready to ready to be arrested for what he was doing yeah. and so, like, <laughs> i also like this as opposed to like the black history episode yeah where i kind of felt like an afterthought this is more i don't know it's just such a really well done episode and like you said the I, the glue is sam art williams right like sam yeah. art like does really really good episodes and yeah this is just another one where it's just like banger just like off the top rope killed it you know yeah well, in this show, like, as we said in the past, is about Will, a poor kid living in a rich suburb. But it's also about what happens when that poor kid becomes the well-off father. Because right. even though we know Phil is a well-educated, wealthy man, 
We learn many times how often his background is similar to Will's or even worse than Will's initial life in Philly. And I love the episodes where we get reminded of this. This is what, like, as I said, this is one of my favorite episodes because it's rare to talk about the experience of people of color when they have become successful and how that has its own challenges. Right. Uh, so like Marge believes Phil is no longer who he was, but he is using his platform to ensure things are better for others and using his wealth to help others, which we see in episodes where the family volunteers in East LA and stuff like that. Mm. Like he doesn't forget where he comes from, which I really love. Like, cause he is like, I one of my favorite reasons I love the show, and I probably mentioned it in the past. Um, when you're a kid and you're native or you're black or you're what well, BIPOC, basically, you're told that once you're successful and rich enough, your race won't matter, but it does. Like it still does. Like you see this in the show where specifically that Phil is dealing with racism still as a wealthy, well-off man. Like, he is still dealing with racism. His kids are still dealing with racism. And I remember watching this as a kid being so brokenhearted that, like, even when I had all the money in the world, that still wouldn't, uh, that still wouldn't blind people from the, from the fact that I'm a res Indian. Right. You know what I mean? And so it's just something that I, I love that this show is able to portray that. Like, like, I think that's probably too why I, I probably didn't get into Bel Air. Because I feel that, like, that wasn't there. Like, these people have always been wealthy to me, it seems like. Yeah. And with Phil, you can see the person, like, you can see that, like, I never got the impression that Phil was somebody who was born wealthy. Like, uh, yeah. and so the fact that he carries himself like a, like a person who worked for every single thing in his life. Like, even in later episodes, Vivian talks to him about, like, nobody gave him anything and he had to fight for everything he has. And you see that in the way James Avery carries Uncle Phil. And I, I don't know, this episode is just like, every episode we see that I love is one where uh, James Avery gets to shine as Uncle Phil. Yeah, James Avery's so good. I, I, <laughs> uh, this isn't Fresh Prince, but I was watching a, a clip. One of my favorite episodes of Ninja Turtles is, um, <laughs> um, uh, is when uh, Shredder thinks he's Michelangelo. <laughs> and it's James Avery, who's the voice of the Shredder, doing the whole... He's like, what's up, dudes? I got some sauce. It is so funny. <laughs> Jay Avery is just such a tremendous actor. Also, the first voice of War Machine. Because uh, he yes. played War Machine in the uh, Iron Man cartoon, which I was watching the <laughs> other day. And I was just like, was like I just hear Jay Avery. I'm like, wait, what? Uncle Phil, what's going on? <laughs> so, yeah, I, I mean, he's just such a tremendous actor. and we are We are remiss because we do not have him in this you know uh, no longer with us but we're thankfully we have him on like we can his work we yeah. work on the show but he's well, so good he's yeah so and good. like when he even when he gets mad at at marge for calling him a sellout like basically calling him a sellout like he doesn't he, when he gets mad at her he's not telling her she's a bitch or like she's not he's not putting her down he's reminding her of who he is and what he's done in his past and when he's finished and she thinks that he's angry with her, like, and, sa and she says she's going to leave. He's like, no, like you're like, you're basically my sister. And if you ever want to stop running, I'll be here for you. Right. And I, I think that really tells of what kind of man he is. Like, cause it, like that is such a powerful scene where he tells her off for saying that he's a sellout. And I'm like, and I love yeah. that about this episode because it's like, he is honest, like, cause he, he has put his life on the line for what he believes in. And I feel he does deserve to not have a rest, but do what he's doing where he is able to fight the fights that he can in courts and with money and all that stuff. Like right. both people, both types of people are needed. Yeah. And I think it's really cool that this episode shows that like, cause it could have easily been like by any means necessary Malcolm X stuff like that. But I think it's also like, I just love that. It's really telling that Marge's that Marge's advice to will at the end of the episode is what Phil and Vivian told her during their argument. Right. Like, like I love the line about her saying there wasn't a lot of doors open to her. So she had to blow them down. But now that they're open, Kids like Will don't have to struggle like she did. I already mentioned that, but I, I just love to repeat that. I I and, also think I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. Oh ahead. no, I was gonna say I also think like it's the thing. I think when a lot of people, especially it's younger people, when they get super extreme, it's the thing of like 
I don't have to think of ramifications because this is only affecting me. Yeah. That's where the problem lies because it's not only affecting you. You have to realize like how these things ripple throughout to everybody. Yeah. And I think that's what uh, Phil reminds Marge that it isn't just her that she has like not radicalized Will, but made Will realize like how much, uh, how much power he has within his own abilities. Right. And, and I do like, I don't think she was belittling him when she told him like, he's only 17. She's just saying like, no, like what it was like for me is not what it's like for you. Right. And so I really think that's a really powerful thing for her to say, especially after that argument she had with uncle Phil and Aunt Viv, like the, that she's using the advice that they gave her to give to Will. And I think that's something that um, is really powerful about this episode. Like, I know I said that before, but I, yeah. like, I just love this episode for how it portrays the adults and how um, the kids are like enamored by the romantic parts of their parents' struggle. But then they they realistically come into the idea of like, well, we can't do that right now. Like, I don't know. Like, it's it's just something so powerful. I'll just say that. Yeah. <laughs> if you haven't seen the episode, you should go watch the episode. It is yeah. a tremendous episode. To, uh, well, to and this watch. and I find this episode hits me harder now that I found out my parents are residential school survivors mm-hmm. because, like, finding out like. How would, like, well, you know your family history. You know, like, your family has taken part in, like, the Selma marches and being integrated into, like, whites-only schools and that sort of thing. But finding out your parents were taken from their, taken from their parents to go to schools in these horrible places that told them everything about them was terrible. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just, like, hard to imagine, like, being five years old and having that told to you about everything about you means you're going to hell. And so this episode hits me hard because it's like remembering all the fights that they've had to do and all the struggles that they've had. And even though it's not easier for us, well, like it's not completely without obstacles for us. I mean, right. The fact that they made it easier for us to do certain things is so powerful to me. And I really think that's like the main heart of the story that parents do things so that the stuff they face may be, less or not there at all for the kids that follow them and so i think that's a really cool episode (laughs) yeah uh but this was a really cool episode uh sonia where would you like to send the people at to find you find us Uh, yeah find me on twitter at sonia underscore valentine i am on instagram at sonia valentine um i recently worked on the walking dead game last mile which is on facebook right now i think we're in day 20 of the game it goes all the way until american thanksgiving so check it out if you haven't mm-hmm. um i am will be at toronto international film festival in september so if you want to hang out come and see me i don't know where i'll be yet but <laughs> and yeah like uh just follow us on like twitter and stuff like say hi um don't try to add me on facebook because i only add friends well i only add friends I only yeah. add people I know specifically. So. Yeah. No shame at anybody else, but like it's just because I like keeping things small there. No, I'm going to say this. I'll be in front of it. <laughs> Don't add me on Facebook because <laughs> um, some of y'all are weird. Like not very people who listen to this are actually really cool, but some people are weird. Uh, friend of the show uh, had somebody try to ruin their life from Facebook. So like, yeah, yep. I think that's a you keep a, keep a a healthy ways away because if you come at me or my family or my or my niece oh buddy there's not enough internet in the world uh but yeah, you, can, <laughs> you can follow me on twitter at turbo bison you can follow me on instagram at turbo bison um uh and yeah i just basically do this show uh and then we do uh i do here's the thing with jared uh green and emmett watkins jr where we kind of just talk about nerdy stuff so it's been on these feeds if you haven't listened to it you should give it a listen the last episode uh that we recorded as of this recording uh we talked about them trying to get me to watch uh, playing bayonetta i will and then i was very i was very critical i don't think i was being a <laughs> hater of donald glover um because that dude's that dude's corny as shit um <laughs> <laughs> so 
you know, if you want to hear my thoughts on Donald Glover, go listen to here's. The thing. I like how there's like a, you have beef with Donald Glover and you have beef with um, Lando Calrissian. Like I will believe you with your beef with Lando, but yeah, like oh man, that's funny that like both people you have beef with played Play Lando Calrissian. Go out of that's you know what this thing. Uh, a, uh, 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 whoever is in charge of Star Wars, get rid of Lando Calrissian. There's never been a good Lando Calrissian or. Or make me Lando Carizian. You should that's be how you, Lando. That's, that's how we fix it. Uh, uh, when I get the right for Star Wars, I'll make you Lando. <laughs> you or, like, or like Lando's real name is actually TL. That would also be great. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, for Sonia, my name is TL. This has been Live from the Pool House. Don't get thrown out like jazz. That was perfect. That was perfect. It was super- <laughs>